Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And we are live. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Rangers Review. Steven, we are at episode 59 now here on the show. And I know the first question that many of you guys probably have, whether you're watching live, you're in a live stream here on YouTube, or listening on replay, wherever you get your podcast, you're wondering where in God's name have Steven and I been. So to quickly recap it, which is the first thing that I want to do, one, our sincere apologies, especially when the Rangers are now in the Eastern Conference Finals. The last thing that we want to do is miss any pods. We want to record right after the Rangers won in Game 7 against the Carolina Hurricanes. But unfortunately, and I have myself to blame, I was away this past week in North Carolina with a group of amazing YouTubers. And because of that, I simply had literally zero free time. The only time that I was able to do coverage on my Mets channel that many of you guys know of was late at night because the Mets are currently out west right now. So I've been doing post-game shows for them starting around between 1 and 1.30 plus a.m. Eastern time. And, of course, Stephen, who lives in Ireland, it's around 6 a.m. his time. So that's starting his work day. So, unfortunately, we just haven't been able to align our schedules really since, I would say, midway through the Carolina series. But we're happy to be here now, and hopefully we shouldn't have any hiccups now until the remainder of however long the Rangers progress here in playoffs. But, again, I appreciate everyone that's been so patient, and my apologies once more to everyone that has been missing out on the pods. Trust me, I've been as frustrated as all hell as you guys have been to trying to get out these pods. But thankfully, we're here now. I'm beyond ecstatic to be talking about some awesome Rangers hockey. Even with how the last game has faltered, I know that this team has destined for greatness. They've proven me not just wrong, but they have exceeded expectations for, in my opinion, and for the opinions of many in so many different ways. And we're really excited to break down our reactions through not just, you know, breaking down a little quickly on game seven for Carolina, because we haven't talked in a bit, along with getting into games one, two, and three, recapping the Eastern Conference finals to this point, and also taking a look at some prospect updates that we'll start with first, because Steven is chomping at the bit to talk about these Rangers prospects. So we'll get into that here shortly. And of course, folks, if you are here in the live stream on YouTube, we'll try to answer some of your comments before the end of the show. And if you guys want your comments answered here in the live show, just make sure you're subscribe to the rangers review youtube channel and that's have those notifications on when we are going to be live for our podcast so you don't miss a beat but again steven let's get into it my friend how are you doing today good good uh it's good to be back and recording yeah it's been very a while. good to be back um yeah rangers are two wins away from a stanley cup final man <laughs> it, do, it, it, it doesn't even feel real to me, um, no. especially as as you know, as many of you viewers don't know, though, I unfortunately have not been able to catch each of these games live. So I've had to watch them on replay and breaking down all the key highlights and all that fun stuff because my schedule just simply has not allowed me as trust me, I prioritize my teams 1000 percent every time. But this past week was just an anomaly of a week for me. And I'm just I'm so excited to break down your thoughts because we haven't talked in a bit now and see what you lot, people in the live stream have to say about this team thus far, too. The fact that this Rangers team, Stephen, again, is only two wins away from the Stanley Cup Finals, you and I said it best heading into the year, right? Not just in the year that, one, the Rangers should make playoffs, and we'll see what happens from there. After the trade deadline, their great success down the stretch of the season, it was like, okay, hopefully they can make it out of the first round. 
We did not think the Rangers would have made it out of the first round after being down three games and one the way that they were. They, it just it did not seem feasible, yet this team defied the odds, then went up against Carolina and managed to beat them in impressive fashion, no less, in Game 7 in Carolina to now advance to the Eastern Conference Finals and have quickly made work of a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has dealt with their injuries to Brandon Point and some others, but again, a team that the Rangers dominate throughout the regular season. And to this point, Tampa on pa- on paper, and again, knocking on wood, not trying to jinx anything as they have game four tonight that we'll be previewing later in the show. This team has been on another level between the young kids and between the veterans stepping up when we need them to most. A lot of guys are on paces now to surpass the likes of Mark Messier. If they haven't already, you know, Cindy with Adam Graves and plenty of other Ranger greats in the 94 season for most points and a playoff. So I just got to say, Stephen, I'm blown away. It has not fully kicked in for me yet. It has been mm-hmm. nothing short of a pleasant surprise. The fact that this team is this close to the finals, again, they're not there yet, so we have to focus on the now. Nothing is guaranteed, of course. We know that by now here in playoffs. But they are chomping at the bit. They're getting closer and closer, nipping at those heels of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And all I can do is smile. I mean, I just feel spoiled. I genuinely feel spoiled at this point. Even after Game Three's loss, this team has just made me feel in such a way that I haven't felt yeah. in a very long time. Yeah, and you know, looking at the Carolina series, you know, every game was won by the home team up to Game Seven. And coming into that series, we knew that the Rangers only had to win one game on the road because the Carolina Hurricanes don't win on the road, and they left it to Game Set to Game Seven. You know, they came into Carolina and they absolutely destroyed them. Yeah, they they didn't give them a shot. They were up four nothing, like like in the third period, and and they finally got got some some goals at the end of the game. But Rangers winning that handedly six two, um, and then you go up against the Tampa Bay Lightning team, who I've I've had conversations with people. I've been doing uh, Twitter Spaces uh, before the game during yeah, information. You've had a lot of fun with those. It's been nice to see you. Yeah, doing them. it's been it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. People are interacting. It's uh in the absence of us being able to record last week that was a good uh good substitution um but we were were able to do to just just prepare for the tampa bay series and you know there was this overall feeling even before game one that the rangers could do really well against this tampa team because the tampa bay lightning don't play defense as tight as the carolina hurricanes they don't have the pace the carolina hurricanes have uh, they don't have the ability to clog up the neutral zone, which is a very effective method uh, against this Rangers team. Um, and then game one, I I was hoping for a win. You, know, you never really expect a win in the conference final going up against a two-way Stanley Cup champion. But the way the Rangers were playing, you know, that game, it was a 6-2 win. It's not even an exaggerated – the scoreline – was 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 reflecting the way the Rangers played and and their pace is really a difference maker this series so far. And of course, we lost Game Three, but this so far has been the easiest series out of the three. And it sounds crazy to say that about a conference final series, but look at the way the Rangers are playing five on five against this Tampa team. They are able to um, to with with quick passing and and. Uh, and, and skating to move the puck to transition the puck from our zone into their zone often within two three seconds um and it's really catching tampa off guard and that first game was a 6-2 win you know it was great um philip Hedel gets two goals uh Kreider and vetrano uh score early on 
Panarin and Zibanejad contribute as well. Um, it was just such a great game by by the team overall, 6-2 win. But I would say game two, even though it was only a 3-2 win, game two was the better game. The Rangers were able to, to push even harder and to really to really lock it up in their zone, to to not give Tampa a chance. They, they scored early on a power play, which is a very cheap power play, uh, by the way. Two and a half minutes in, Ryan Reeves was called for slashing, but that should have been uh, offsetting minor penalties uh, for Reeves and Maroon. Uh, Kucherov scores on that power play, but take, take that power play goal away, and the Rangers were just dominant from start to finish. Um, Miller ties it up, you know, hard shot from the point, gets blocked. He gets the rebound, shoots again, boom, <laughs> one, one. And then I think the second goal, the Capo Caco goal is probably, um, it's probably my second favorite goal of the series. My, my favorite goal of the series is probably my favorite playoff goal in Rangers history. And it's the second goal by Philip Hedl in game one. Magical to, um, to think that Filipino now has what the same amount of goals they had during the regular season. I think he has seven now, and he had eight in the regular season. Yeah, so he's right oh. around there. I mean, yeah. talk about a playoff performer. This but, is how you make sure that you stay on this team, is what Filipino yeah. is doing. But that second Heedle goal, is, oh, as I call it, the shift. I don't even have to explain to Ranger fans the yes. shift. So, you nice. know, the Rangers pin, pin them in their zone for almost two minutes. Sergachev was on the ice for a minute 50. And I always, I always watch these sequences where the Rangers have have consistent zone time, where they push their, uh, you know, where they pressure their opponent into the zone. And this happened in the second period where you have the long chain, so it's a little easier once you get in that situation to to keep your opponent in the zone because you know the bench is so far away. But the Rangers never capitalize on it. The Rangers never follow it up with a goal, and this time we did. But my second favorite goal of the of the series so far was the Capo Caco goal in game two. Uh, not not because it's Capo Caco, but just the way that goal was created again. You know, it was an even strength goal, but the way they were passing it around, it looked like a power play. And Adam Fox is a magician. Um, Adam Fox and, and Mika Zibanejad are probably the players that Lundqvist was missing in 2014. If you look at that 2014 team that went all the way to the final, um, the, the the player that led the team in points that season was Ryan McDonough with 17. Um, right now, Mika Zibanejad is tied. Uh, Mika Zibanejad uh, has the third most by a Ranger in a single postseason with 24 points. Adam and he's Fox, not far behind Messier either right now. No, he only needs six more points to catch Messier in second. Brian Leach, of course, number one with 34. Both of those players set those numbers, uh, got those numbers in 94. But Zibanejad in third place with 24. Adam Fox in fourth place with 23. Um, yeah, Ryan McDonough in 2014 when we made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, 25 games, only 17 points. A defenseman leads your team. Chris Kreider, by the way, 15 points. Uh, Artemi Panarin, 15 points. So the scoring, um, sorry, Chris Kreider. Uh, yeah, Chris Kreider, Artemi Panarin. The scoring comes from from different players. Uh, Andrew Cobb is fifth on the team with 13 points in 17 games. 
So you get that, that contribution from, from different lines, from different players. And I would like to, me. I would like to touch on not to cut you off just cause you were on the topic of Fox and how vital he's been, of course, not just with this rock solid defense that we've seen from Keandre Schneider in the little time that he's had and Lindgren just being an absolute or somehow getting stronger, even with his injuries. I mean, that's been the case with Ryan Lindgren, right? But Foxy, I do know has the most points of a defenseman through 20 games and playoffs in NHL history. Now with 23, love the mm. number coincidentally with his own Jersey number. And he passed Ryan Leach, no less, who had 22 and 20 games. So, again, yeah. just one of the many records that the Rangers are either climbing up towards or are breaking here in this current playoff run. Yeah. And he's currently on pace to hit 50 points in 43 games, which would make him the third fastest defenseman to hit 50 playoff points. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the production is there. You know, we, we can we – can, we can, Talk about Zibanejad and Fox as true playoff performers now. You know, there's there's no there's no argument. Um, Chris Kreider, of course, ten goals this season. Zibanejad, ten goals. Um, that's I think the first time in in forty plus years the Rangers have two players with double digit goals in a single playoff playoff season. Um, and more importantly, uh, Chris Kreider now tied with the great Rod Gilbert for most playoff goals by a Ranger ever with 34. I love that every time that we normally do a pot, or at least a lot as of late, you have been emphasizing how Kreider, especially with the production this season, has solidified himself in Rangers history, that his number will be hitting the rafters by time shortly after he retires. And yeah. it's funny because we tend to see some debates on that. And don't get me wrong, I know that we have, like any other normal sports fan, I've discussed rather hot topics, hot debates, but I really don't think that's one. And the way that... Kreider has continued to handle himself and has provided that goal scoring into playoffs is something that cannot be underestimated. He's scoring every other game right now. I, you said he has 10 goals so far in the playoffs, correct? Yeah. And it and it's beautiful because it's continued with that net from presence along with if you have your two-on-one chances, maybe you'll get a snipe here and there. I mean, he has just been such a perfect balance and exactly what you want from a playoff performer. There are not many players, obviously, that will have, say, a great end season where they, say, score a career high, like 40, 50-plus goals, and then come playoff time, they're just – they're show what they once were because they were – Com yep. they were combated differently by the opposing team right they knew how to really find his game and to take full advantage of what he originally had setting up to the point where he just could not be anything more than a shell of what he once was but Kreider's the complete opposite and yes he hasn't you know let me put it this way Kreider's in scoring every game but we shouldn't expect him to but on a goal per every game pay uh, every other game pace that's huge for this Rangers team, especially when you haven't had consistent offensive production on the goal scoring front from someone like Artemi Panarin, who has had their chances early on, even with him dealing with injuries as well. I mean, it's that much more vital that you have your top guy that didn't just stand out, has been your unsung captain, and is literally just a captain without the Seahawks jersey. I don't think there's any debating that, as quickly proving that, yeah. My playoffs are by all means just a product of what you saw during the regular season. This is not a fluke. I'm Chris no. Kreider, and I am a bona fide goal scorer here in the NHL. Uh, another thing, and this is a stat that's never talked about because it's not really something that's tracked, but overall totals in a single season, Chris Kreider is now tied with Adam Grace for most goals in a single season with 62. Yeah. They, uh, they each had 52 goals in a regular season and 10 goals in the postseason. Adam Graves, that year in 94, played 107 games in total. 
Chris Kreider so far only 98th. So he's he's gonna break he's gonna break that record. Um, Chris Kreider has been doing everything that 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 you could have asked for. Um, two or three more postseasons, and Chris Kreider is going to lead the Rangers in every category. Right now, in games played, he's third. Or sorry, he's fourth. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist has 130. Dan Girardi, 122. Mark Stahl, 107. And Kreider is now tied with Derek Stepan with 97. Wow. Um, of course, tonight, he will play career playoff game number 98. He's going to reach at least 101. Sorry, he's going to reach at least 100. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, he's going to hit over 100 because either we win in five and we go to the final or we lose the next three, it will still take him to 100. So no matter what happens, Chris Kreider is hitting 100 uh, total playoff games played uh, this season. Um, goals, he's tied for first. Uh, points, he's in fifth all time. You know, these are numbers for Chris Kreider, who's only 31 years old. And when you look at the regular season, you know, uh, in goals right now, he's 10th. Uh, games played, uh, games played, he's 19th. Points, he is 14th. And he still has, I think, I think five years left to go on his current contract. So he's going to finish top five in every major category, both regular season and postseason. Chris Kreider's number is going up in the rafters. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Thank you, Stephen. This is why we got the staff boy in here to break down. In case you have any doubts, in case you're feeling a little uncertain. I do like I do like that the argument has died down a little bit. I mean, it's still there from some people, but I think I think people are starting to notice that yeah, it's not it's not far fetched at all. I think I think it's just silly to even make it an argument to begin with instead of just enjoying what he's doing and realizing that if you do break down the numbers the way that you most certainly did, all all indications are that, yes, it, it is not a matter of if, but rather when. And knowing how Chris Kreider's career has, you know, progressed to this point. Now, I don't know about many of you Ranger fans listening or watching here for the show, but Chris Kreider, other than Henrik Lundqvist and Matt Sucrell, I mean, when Kreider came up, through Boston College into playoffs, he was automatically my favorite player. Uh, you know, growing up for me personally, I always admire, you know, players of smaller stature, like Zook especially, because I myself, I'm 5'5", and, you know, naturally I'm going to be a short cane in comparison to others. But one thing that I was always my strong suit in sports, and that's what I've always progressed well in, was my speed. And Chris Kreider being the high flyer that he was right from the right from the beginning, and then jumping playoffs and making immediate impact just completely jaw-dropped me as like a young, I don't know, 12 13 year old at the time when he first broke into the nhl and watching his development and with all the inconsistencies that he's had with his goal scoring being a guy that's basically getting a breakaway per game but has struggled to finish this year again taking things to new heights adapting his game we all know how amazing his net front presence has been but now having the proper pieces around him and the proper more than anything and again something i feel like gets brushed under a lot the rug a lot is the coaching staff. This system is exactly made for Chris Kreider between not just five on five, but on power play. And as long as these two things continue to pair together, there's no denying that Chris Kreider will go down as one of the better Rangers in their history. He's already off to an amazing start now at the age of 31. 
Um, but Steven, yeah. I know that you want to get into prospects. So before we do that, I kind of like the way that we're just kind of briefly going through these Ranger games. So that way we can share more of our raw thoughts versus just the statistics. Now we missed a good amount of games. So I figured briefly, I'm going to just touch on game three here. Cause this is of course the biggest negative out of the Rangers first three games of the Eastern conference finals. And this was a game again, that was frustrating. And I hate to be that guy to just nitpick one person, but Jacob Truba, in my personal opinion, kind of helped single-handedly lose the game for the Rangers there in game three. And it was pretty inexcusable as well. And I will give him the benefit of the doubt. One of the two power plays that were scored by Tampa that were from a trooper penalty, in my opinion, was not warranted of a penalty. I thought that call was ridiculous. Now, granted, arguing about officiating, especially in playoffs, it's not going to get you far. We know that story by now. We went through the Penguins series. We went through Carolina. We know how these debates work. But Truba, again, is someone where he's been a blessing for this team. He's also been an issue. And for not just the fact of, having three penalties in game three, but in the manner in which he had those three penalties, especially right after the Rangers had their power play and scored originally earlier in that one. And for them to just completely collapse. Look, the Rangers in the first two games against Tampa were Mr. Resilient. They came back and they were just dominant. But in this one, even with an early lead, I bite my tongue every single time the Rangers have like a 2-0 lead. I don't have as, nearly as much confidence as I should in comparison with a team, say, when you're down by a goal or two. Why? Because the Rangers have proven that they are just such a superior team when they are facing some type of adversity. And with them up on an early lead, we saw there, thanks to the likes of Mika Zibanejad with his patent-pending power play goal, he has six power play goals already this playoff, and they're almost all identical, doing his best Alexander Ovechkin impression over these past couple of years. And that left dot, passing Vasilevsky with ease, beautiful passing by the Mets there, uh, not the Mets, the Rangers on the power play. And then getting into the second goal, power play, all three power play goals, Chris Kreider in front, nice little rebound. He buries it exactly what you want from that net front presence. And then uh, Nikita Kucherov, who unfortunately gets a snipe uh, down on the right side there uh, in the left and the right dot with the lefty shot for the power play. And that was one of the two goals that Tampa would score on the power play with Truba being the guy at fault with his, uh, with his uh, penalties, pardon me. But then when we get into the sec- uh, pardon me, the third period, because those goals happen on the second, nothing happened for the Rangers in the first. They had some nice looks. I was liking what I saw from the Rangers early in Tampa. And Tampa, like you said earlier in the show, Stephen, they haven't once given me the feel that even, and I got it under, I understand Brandon Point has not been in the lineup. I know that point in the lineup, that team gets so much better, as do the Rangers when they're fully healthy as well. We're accustomed to that. So I'm not trying to give you know, you know, if it's going to be this way or that way. But point is, again, that this Tampa team has looked vulnerable since the jump. Even against Carolina, I was very impressed with the Rangers against Carolina. Of course, it was that back and forth home and away to be the difference other than game seven where they stepped up most, that being in the Rangers. But this Tampa series just has a completely different vibe. This time, they're not as hard-hitting as we've seen, especially against the Penguins at times, with not just uh, not just the hard-hitting, but the four-check as well. Tampa, as you mentioned, with that neutral zone presence, hasn't been to the same extent. And the Rangers have really been able to execute and get into that zone five-on-five five with a strong fashion. But then between the penalties and just a complete lack of consistency there in the third period, led to Steven Stamkos having an open slot there for a 1T, a bomb for a power play goal to tie it uh, right in the beginning in the first minute or two in the third period. Then in a heartbreaking fashion, I'm watching this game while I'm at a restaurant. And look at the time. There's like 45 seconds left right as it's starting to trickle down. Andre Palak gets a beautiful pass from Nikita Kucherov, like a beautiful backdoor one that Zbanejad just simply couldn't handle there on the right side. Gets through Igor, and that is how the game ends. Igor had another phenomenal game for the Rangers. He gave up. 
He had 49 saves on 52 shots. I mean, Igor has single-handedly. If it isn't for him, the Rangers don't go even past the first round. We know that. Not that I want the Rangers to be so reliant on their goaltender, but we all know how amazing he is, and thankfully he's on our side. But that third period really run me the wrong way, not just between the Truba penalties, but this team just looked like a step behind. Tampa finally started to get their legs pumping. It was by far their best game of the series, and it wasn't even their prettiest game either. They did not play a full 60, but neither did the Rangers, and that unfortunately helped lead to their demise. So I think the point I'm trying to make, though, Stephen, is that even with how frustrating that Game 3 loss was and losing momentum, there's nothing worse than one losing a game, especially when you lose in the final minute of a game. I mean, you don't have any type you don't have any time to try to rebound and you know salvage your play in the remainder of the game, right? Because there's no time left. So mm-hmm. now you're focusing on this. The Rangers so, have their injuries as well. Um, Steven, I know you have something to say quick, so go ahead to that, and then we'll move forward. couple of points. Uh, yeah. First of all, yeah, Braden points out with injury. Do people – did people make the same argument about Zuccarello being out in 2015 when we lost to Tampa? No, no, really. no, no. I'm not saying it's an argument. No, I'm no. just saying no, like, no. I yeah. understand it. It has been. I mean, the the never-ending list of excuses every time the Rangers win a game this playoffs. It's um, you know, it's 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 hilarious. You won't be you won't be hearing them from me. You will, of course, be hearing them from the opposing fan base. Now yeah, that's natural. Regarding game three, uh, to put a positive spin on it, will you go up against two-time Stanley Cup champion? You're up two nothing in the series. They play their first game at home. Of course, they're going to go all out. Of course. I think them going back to 12 forwards and six defensemen definitely played a little bit of a part in it. Yes. But also, they gave it everything for 60 minutes. They played their best game of the series. The Rangers played their worst game of the series. And still, it took them 59 minutes to get the game in and goal. It took them 59 minutes in their best game against our worst game. It took 59 minutes in Jacob Truba just ha- just handing everything well, on the ladder. You know, that's how my, it felt for me. The penalty that annoys me the most is the one that Truba took on a four-minute power play. Oh, that was, that was ridiculous. That, I mean, that, that was the worst timing. But look, the Rangers were under pressure. The, the third period, they were playing like they were defending a lead when the score was 2-2. That annoyed me as yeah. much as the Truba penalty. But coming back to what I said earlier, Tampa Bay played their best game. They gave it 100% every shift. And the Rangers were able to to keep up with them for 59 minutes. In Tampa. There's no way the Tampa Bay Lightning have the energy to do that again tonight. That's fair. And what I'm going to say next, look, it might sound stupid if we lose tonight, (laughs) but I don't see the Rangers losing game four because – the Rangers are not going to be as bad as they were in game three, and Tampa is not going to be as good as they were in game three. See, Stephen, I love the optimism. I really do. But something when it comes to health, I agree with you. If this team's healthy, I, I fully agree with you. But that's why I want to pivot to the injuries here because, again, a lot of you guys are listening to this podcast and have further information than what we do at this point in time. But the Rangers practice today, not all that encouraging. A little bit, yes, and, and, and more so, no. Barkley Goudreau is not practicing today, so we'll find out probably last minute if he'll be in the lineup or not. I would say that there is a possibility still that he will be, but knowing that he hasn't practiced in the past couple days, you know, there's some slight concern with his injury. And I believe wasn't that after the block shot, correct? Yes, he blocked a shot with his yeah. uh, with his foot. 
Yes, and he just hasn't been the same. And this is, again, a Goudreau who hasn't been healthy all playoffs for the most part because of the injury they sustained prior in the beginning. But not just him, but also Ryan Strom stepped on the ice today for practice, didn't practice yesterday, uh, but was on the ice today, was only on for five or six minutes, then left the ice. And according to reporters from what we saw here as we're talking the live show, did not look comfortable. So that is another thing that is not appealing. Do I think he'll play tonight still? Yeah, I would say that there's a solid chance. But if we don't have both Ryan Strom and Barkley Goudreau in the lineup tonight, that is concerning for me, okay? Even with the second line that has been as rolling as much as I would like it to, as I'll be breaking down the numbers here shortly, that is huge gaping holes in your lineup that Tampa can, by all means, try to execute on because you have to change everything up then with a lineup that has been thriving for the most part. Even though the kids didn't have their best game in game three, what they did in games one and two completely outweigh that. And the one positive, however, that we have seen in practice, as some of you guys have now said here, is the fact that Sammy Blay today is having his first full practice with the Rangers, full contact, not wearing the red jersey anymore. And we'll find out. Many of you guys, like I said, that are listening and watching, you probably know by now Sammy Blay is either one, starting in game four, or two, going to be playing in any of the games going forward for the remainder of the series. But if the Rangers get him back, that's exciting. There's concern because of the fact that he hasn't played since quite literally the beginning of the season, coming off of a serious injury. It's going to be rusty. Blay is known for playoffs, and he has been practicing for a bit, which is positive. But you can't, you can simply cannot compare one practice to an actual game, let alone playoffs at the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's a tall task on him, regardless on when he'll return this lineup. But what's your take, Stephen, on in a scenario where the Rangers do not have at minimum one of Ryan Strom or Barkley Goudreau? How much? Of a factor, do you believe that that would be in the Rangers' success or lack thereof here in game four and potentially the games going forward? I think Ryan Strom we can replace with the way the Rangers are playing. Ryan Strom is not bringing the type of game that Tampa Bay struggles with. Goudreau, on the other hand, yeah, Goudreau is, is essential to, uh, to our bottom six. It depends on who you replace Ryan Strom with. I assume Andrew Cobb would move to center. And you would you would add a winger, um, a second line of Panera and Cop Hunt uh, might not sound too enticing, but Hunt does play the type of style that has worked well against Tampa. So that's an interesting one. Uh, if Goudreau's out, I expect Kevin Rooney to be his replacement. Yeah, I do too. Um, of course, injuries will change things a little bit, but even. Even if you change one or two players out, the Rangers are just playing better than Tampa at this point. So. And they're they're playing in a fashion that, again, we saw the Rangers dominate Tampa throughout the year. You know, they they just they were the better team throughout the regular season, which was by all means a breath of fresh air against the Tampa team, who again have won back-to-back cups. They entered the season without those crucial pieces that without them. Tampa doesn't win those cups, in my opinion. They knew that they needed to get the Barkley Goudreaux of the world. The same thing with the Blake Coleman's, et cetera. Like losing those pieces that make your lineup that much more deep is insane. And for this team, again, for the Rangers to be coming out and going toe-to-toe with the back-to-back champs, but in all means, in a fashion where, as you said it best, Tampa had their best game, but it took that final minute to truly solidify their best game. Yeah, this, and if you look at, if you look at the line. Comfortable still. If you look at the lines, it's not it's not hard to see why. You know, um, Tampa's top two lines match up against our two top two lines. That's normal in the playoffs. Yes, but we've seen this throughout the years. Depth wins you rounds in the playoffs. 
Tampa Bay won two cups with a third line of Coleman, Gordon, Goudreau. Phenomenal. Their third line, see if I remember what exactly their third line was. Their third line was Russ Colton, Corey Perry, and who was the third guy on the third line? Um, I think Alex Kalorn. Might have been Kalorn. Yeah, assuming he wasn't in the top six. Yeah. Lafreniere, Hilo, Kako is a better line. Well, yeah, they've been. They, you could argue that they've been the best line for the Rangers outside of line number one, obviously. 100%. And then that, that fourth line is Maroon, Belmar, and now Riley Nash. Yeah. And Riley Our, Nash was picked up on waivers like twice this past season. Yeah. Uh, they played seven defensemen. They played Jan Ruda instead of Riley Nash for games one and two. Even with Riley Nash, a Maroon, Belmar, Nash against Mott, Goudreau, Reeves. Our fourth line is miles better. Um, I never expected a sweep. So losing game three, the way we lost it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, that that's fair. And I'm glad that we're sharing this perspective. Like I said, I've been chomping at the bit and want to talk to you about this because for me, it, it was gut-wrenching to see them lose in the manner, in the sense that the, just the overall third period collapse. And again, knowing that you lost Every time that you give up a goal, like at the end of a period, it always drives me nuts because you know that that is something that normally can be a momentum swing. However, I do like your approach on this as well in the sake of, yeah, we saw quite literally the best from Tampa so far. You know, knocking on wood, that doesn't get much better than this. But the Rangers never looked like that. They were completely like lopsided. Mm-hmm. We saw that lopsidedness in the first series against the Penguins. We saw a little bit of it against the Carolina Hurricanes, but nothing overly drastic. The, it really the third period, the third period in, game seven. Third period in game one against Carolina. It's the most out, outplayed we've been in a single period. Um, and game three wasn't that bad. Tampa was always going to win at least one game. They might win a second one. Who knows? Um, this series could easily go seven. It could end in five. Could, could go, could go seven. But look, even even if we lose tonight, um, let's say I, I hope not. You know, but let's say we lose tonight, right? Now the series is a best of three, where we play games one and three at home, and the Rangers at home are a much better team than the Rangers on the road. I'm I'm not worried. I don't see Tampa beating us at Madison Square Garden. There's nothing to indicate that they would, considering the Rangers have won no, how many games one eight straight two, at home? Games one and two. The only home game we lost was game one. The only home game we lost was game one of this playoffs. It took the opponent triple overtime to get it. Yeah, that's saying a lot. And that game shouldn't have gone to overtime because Heel was Taco robbed of the goal. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Yep. So technically you could argue that the Rangers are undefeated at home in the playoffs. Um, I, I, I'm not worried. For Tampa to, to eliminate us, they have to win a game at the Garden. I don't see that happening. Uh, if we win tonight, it's over in five. If we lose tonight, it goes to seven. That's that's how I sum it up. It just still ha- it genuinely has not kicked into me. And again, given my schedule, that's part of it. But... Man, oh, man, this year's playoffs has just been such a whirlwind. I've never experienced something like this before, too. Even when the Rangers, of course, had the run in 2015, it felt nothing like this. 
2014-2015. I mean, it it's such it's such a bizarre feeling, but in a good way, you know, like a dominant way. And well, the, the the difference is Tyler that this team is much more well rounded than those teams in 2014 and 2015. Ah, uh, let me let me say this to give Ben for the doubt. The Rangers were unbelievably well-rounded in their cup run, but they did not have enough top dogs. They were yes. like all second lines, you know, as you said best. Now the Rangers are more well-rounded in the sense of having that balance of top dogs. And again, this is without the likes of getting as much production as we would probably like to this point in Artemi Panarin. You know, he's that big guy that's been sticking. Panarin hasn't been playing bad, but he surely isn't playing his best hockey right now either. I think we all are fully aware if you've been watching these games. Even if you just watch the highlights, you can understand that one. Um, so to get him and to get him at any level higher potentially than what we've currently seen, I mean, it's really hard to argue that this Rangers team isn't, you know, isn't basically inevitable to do some fantastic things. Yeah, and and when you get to this stage of the playoffs, there are no guarantees. You know, it's there are no easy wins. That said, I like our chances. I would like to emphasize once more because again, a large, a large portion of you guys watching on YouTube or listening on replay have already watched at least Game Four. So if the Rangers get completely pistol whipped for whatever reason in Game Four. We are by all means the ones to blame. I've been knocking on wood like this entire show, Stephen, <laughs> trying to make sure that I'm not feeling overly confident. But it's hard not to still be confident about this club in an impressive fashion with the manner that they have approached this Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, they've went above and beyond what my initial expectations were. And maybe that's shame on me. You know, maybe after that game seven in Carolina, I should have known better saying that, yeah, I mean, like th this team is truly rolling right now. And they absolutely are. But Steven, I, there are plenty of numbers I do want to break down for the Rangers on who's been producing the most, just statistically, and who I would like them to do a little bit better potentially in this series. But I know that you really want to talk about prospects. We had meant to do that in the beginning of the show. So why don't we take a quick pivot? We'll take a quick break here from this playoff talk, uh, talk because there are some significant Ranger prospect updates that Steven's going to be sharing with us. Then we'll get uh, back to breaking down some playoff numbers here for you guys and then eventually answering some comments as we then look ahead, of course, for game four and the remainder of the series. Yeah, um, so prospect updates uh, in the OHL, the uh, conference final between the Flint Firebirds and Windsor Spitfires went to seven games. Brandon Othman against Will Cooley. Uh, Will Cooley came through in the end with his team. They won game seven. And last night they took a 2-1 lead in game three against uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, so far, Cooley has been contributing on those wins. He got the empty net goal to seal it last night. Uh, he has, I think, two goals, one assist in three games. Really good for, for Cooley and the Windsor Spitfire. So they are only two wins away from uh, from going to, to the Memorial Cup as the OHL champion. So... Uh, they played game four, I think, tomorrow at home. Um, in the Cooley, I just want to touch on this quickly. Cooley, with what we've seen from him, with what he was as a prospect when what, when the Rangers drafted him in the second round in the Leah Sanderson trade, he really is giving me that feeling that he will take a quick jump in similarity what, to what we've seen with Braden Schneider. Should he have a role? Should there be room on this team? Cooley feels to me at least that he will not take an unbelievably long time to adjust to the NHL level. I think I think the biggest adjustment for Cooley is that he cannot he cannot have the same impact in in, in pro hockey that he does in juniors. Yes, he's scoring a lot of goals and he is contributing offensively, but he's also 20 years old in the OHL. 
So he is he's expected to be that dominant. He's going to uh, go remember, from being that top dog, the older kid in the yeah, group, to yeah. being the youngest. Yeah. Remember, uh, Ty Ronning at age 20 scored 60 goals in the WHL. Yeah, and now he's unfortunately been struggling, you know, in his pro so, career at this point. Yep. It's a big it's a big jump. I think Cooley can definitely make it, but it'll probably be a third or fourth line role. Um, similar to Sammy Blay, in a way. Um, similar to know, Sammy Blay and Brendan Lemieux, but a more increased version of Brendan Lemieux. I think uh, he's, he's probably out. more skilled than Brendan Lemieux. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree on that one. But yeah, they're two wins away from making it to the Memorial Cup. And if they do make it to the Memorial Cup, there is a decent chance that he's going to play against another Rangers prospect because in the WHL, in the conference final, it was Dylan Garant, the goalie, and the Kamloops Blazers who took on the Seattle Thunderbirds and Matt Rempe. They were both drafted in 2020. Uh, Dylan Garant was a fourth-round pick. Matt Rempe was a sixth-round pick. Uh, Rempe, 6'8", 225, a massive guy. And Garand is uh, is a very talented goalie uh, who uh, both actually signed their entry-level contracts already. Seattle Thunderbirds pulled it out of the fire in Game 7 in that conference final. And now they are up 2-1. Uh, I think they're up 2-1 uh, against – no, sorry. The series is tied 1-1. Tonight is Game 3. Uh, Seattle Thunderbirds going up against the Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, so, yeah, interesting there. Uh, Garand and Othman, unfortunately, out, but still two prospects in the playoffs there. And then the last bit of prospect update is uh, a player that is probably the most polarizing when it comes to this fan base because mm -hmm. half of you don't want to hear about it and the other half uh, cannot wait to hear more about it. But so that's, it was... that's the perfect way of describing him. It really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. um, but yesterday it was reported that Vitaly Kravtsov has turned down an offer by Dr. Chelyabinsk. His expectation is to come back to North America to uh, play in the NHL. Uh, whether that will be with the Rangers or with another team, we'll have to wait and see. But um, he won't be waiver exempt. So um, it, that might make it easier for Kraftsoff to sign a contract with the Rangers if Drury offers one, because they cannot just send him down to Hartford, which was his biggest issue, of course, in previous seasons. Interesting to see what's going to happen there. The Rangers do need some contributors on cheap contracts because uh, the cap is not going up by much. The cap is only going up by $1 million, but we have those new contracts for Fox and Zibanejad kicking in. $8.5 yeah. I think, for Zibanejad, nine point five for Fox. And this is not talking about any potential free agents returning, which is every one, of course, that the Rangers acquired at the trade-in line, which we'll yeah. talk extensively on once we get into the offseason. We'll, we'll dive into that after the playoffs are over. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see that Kravtsov has been uh, – has been showing up in the news again. Um, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how Rempe and Cooley do in uh, in their in their respective finals and juniors, though. By all means, keep me posted. It, it's awesome to see them get this experience too. You know, obviously it's still in juniors, but the point is, is that if you can at least get that intensity level higher than what you normally get during the regular season, that can at least help you, even if it's a little bit as you were then going to be adjusting eventually for the NHL, or at least the AHL for that matter, just getting accustomed to, you know, yeah. some harder-paced hockey, faster pace as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, thank you for that prospect update, Stephen. I appreciate it. Vitaly Krasov, I mean, my goodness, we're always talking about him every year, and it feels like we're, only, we're talking about him for a different reason every year. It's, it's a seesaw with that man, but we'll see what his future holds, and we'll discuss him more on when the time is right. But what the time is right for right now is talking more about the Rangers and what they're doing in playoffs 
because in this Eastern Conference final, Stephen, if we look through point production alone, and again, that's why I was okay with us not breaking down each individual goal and breaking down the numbers and stuff in the ECF this far, because one, I know that we're breaking down the first three games, but two, I have it here to give you guys an idea in case you're unaware, which you should be if you've been watching the games. But Adam Fox, who again, 23 points, but has five points, just five assists in these first three games. The stick, I mean, the puck is always on the tape of that man. He's keeping things beautifully in the offensive zone. Every, I don't I don't think I need to rave any more bad on Fox. He's one of the best defensemen in the league for a reason, and I couldn't be happier that he's a New York Ranger. Um, then we have Chris Kreider. Kreider, again, two and two. Two goals, two assists, four points in the first three games. Love to see that Kreider continuing his pace to be that bona fide goal scorer and that huge top six presence for the Rangers no matter the series. Artemi Panarin, someone that I would like to see more of, and maybe we will see some more of tonight as well, depending on the health status of Stroman or other, especially if the Rangers lose Stroman on that second line. Maybe that will help Warren Panarin to have a little bit more of a pep in his step, knowing they have to carry that line a little bit more than what he's accustomed to, per se. But Panarin, one and three, one goal, three assists, four points so far in the series, which is strong. Five team, uh, 15 points along with Kreider and playoffs so far. Foxy with 23. Um, Cop, zero goals, one assist. Uh, that's it. He, I would like to see some more offensive production from Cop, too. But again, Cop hasn't been playing bad. I just want to see the second line, uh, line roll a little bit more, and that'll be indicative on the structure of it. It's funny. I actually don't have Zabanja as the numbers in front of me, Steven. So by the time I'm breaking down these numbers, can you just tell me how many points he has so far in the first three games? I appreciate it. Um, but we have here uh, Frankie Vitrano, three points, one goal, two assists. We saw him have that nice goal to start off the series. 11 points so far here in the playoffs for the Rangers. He's been a blessing. And Philip Hedl didn't have just the, one of the best goals, I feel like, in Ranger history. But he has three points total, two goals, one assist, nine points. Hedl, who was not known for offensive production by any means throughout the regular season, has taken his game to another level. And it couldn't come at a better time with all the, all the controversies and all the uncertainties with him and his future. And while nothing's a guarantee, it's safe to say that Philip Hedl has really done the absolute best that he could possibly can with the limited time that he has to make sure that the Rangers heavily consider keeping him and not partying with him in this year's offseason, regardless on how playoffs end. Uh, then we have Ryan Strom, who has not looked good so far this series. He has zero points. Again, not that points mean everything, but from your second line center, I want more offensive production. You're in the heart of that offensive line, even with Panarin leading the way. I mean, Strom's still bringing up the rush. I want to see better with him five on five and with his zone entry. He's been a little frustrating, but again, I know he's now dealing with injuries, so we'll see what his status is. Has nine points so far here in playoffs, tied with Heedle. Alexi Lafreniere has nine points in this year's playoffs, two assists. Loving Laffy, he's just that high-energy guy in the third line. His game, the knit and gritty. And again, for a first overall pick like him to have this type of style of play that he has, he's adjusted far better than maybe what some people would have initially expected with Laffy here in this playoffs. He, he by all means, he's by all means, he plays hard nose. He plays to his size, and he does not back down to absolutely anyone. Then we have one of my favorite players for the Rangers for quite a bit now. It's Keandre Miller. He has been so high flying with his offensive, uh, making sure when to know when it's right to pinch into the offensive zone. But his defensive, his back checking is simply superb. Along with Adam Fox, you can rightfully argue that Keandre Miller has been the best defenseman for the Rangers in this year's playoffs, or at least one of them. He has truly been special. Has one goal, one assist, two points, and seven points total in this year's playoffs. Playoffs, Capo Caco with that awesome goal and the assist so far, two points in three games and five points total in this year's playoffs. He's on the best pace so far in this year's playoffs in any series. That's phenomenal to see. And then Jacob Truba only has one assist, five points in this year's playoffs. And then I add Lindgren as well as zero points along with some others. But point I'm trying to make, though, is what we're seeing, guys, is, Stephen, do you know exactly how many uh, points uh, Zvanjan has for the first three? 
Uh, yes, uh, two uh, two goals, three assists. Okay, so he's leading the way there with five. That's awesome. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Three goals, two assists. Three goals, two assists. Okay, I thought I thought it was three goals. I was almost certain. Yeah. And, and they've been beautiful. Five assists, so they're tied for five points in three games. Good. Yeah, I I think I didn't write down uh, Zbigniew's numbers because I wrote down Foxes with five. For whatever reason, I just got them confused. Uh, but no less, uh, big takeaway that I want for the Rangers heading into game four, depending on the status of that second line, is I want to see more production there. Um, this Ranger team has been really balanced, but I really want to see more from Panarin. He hasn't been playing bad, but again, you still want the absolute best from the best player on this roster, simply put, outside of Igor Shosturkin. And the reason why we talked so little about Igor is because He's just a broken record. I mean, what more needs to be said about Igor other than the fact that this man is breaking records and is quite literally doing things that goaltenders just simply don't do this early in their NHL careers, even with yeah. KHL experience. He is simply jaw-dropping. He's a high-flying puck mover. He has three assists so far in this year's playoffs. I mean, I trust Igor uh, better than some Ranger forwards, if I'm being honest, with playing the puck. Like, that is how good he's been, along with making highlight reel saves on a night-to-night basis, always keeping the Rangers in it. But my biggest takeaway, again, the biggest thing that I want to see more of based on what we'll see from line two is, again, let's get some more production. That That's a big thing. Fourth line, they don't have any points so far in the series. But, again, I'm not expecting points from that fourth line. I, I just want them to keep killing it. Tyler Mott is always putting a smile on his face. I love his ability on the PK and five on five. And, yeah, just that second line. That's the big if, question if mark. We, if we don't keep Tyler Mott next season, I'll be very disappointed. I will be, I think, and I agree with you in the sense, and again, we're not going to get on this tangent right now, but I think it's fair to say that Tyler Mott is not nearly as replaceable as someone like Frankie Vitrano. And again, this is not to down him, and we're not going to get in this hot debate right now, but when you based on what is working for this team, what do the Rangers need right now, what is their future based on playoff contention, you need a Tyler Mott. You absolutely need to, the same way that the Tampa Bay Lightning the past two years have needed a Barkley Goudreau and have needed a Blake Coleman. To different reasons, you know, yeah. a little bit, but the point is speaking it holds of, true. Speaking of, players you need, speaking of players you need, um, I think this Edmonton Oilers team is one of the most lopsided teams I've ever seen in the, in the NHL playoffs. The fact that they managed to get as far as they did as someone who was rooting for Edmonton, you know, they are, they've been my team for like a decade now in the, uh, in the uh, West, uh, Western Conference. But yeah, they are just always, they've always been lopsided. They, they have the fact, the fact that they get swept in the conference finals while having two players who are over two points per game this postseason is ridiculous. And let's not forget the likes of what we saw there, not just from them, but Hyman. Hyman had a phenomenal playoff. Evander Kane was a goal-scoring machine until he matched up with the Avalanche and stood no chance. Evander um, Kane leads, leads the league in goals in the postseason. Exactly. And how many goals did he have in the in, – uh, the, against the Avalanche, I don't think he had much. Uh, well, he had 13 in total. Let me let me check that for you. Because I'm really curious, and I'm glad you brought up the Avalanche. Because look, whoever advances to the Stanley Cup Finals, whether that's Tampa or the Rangers, you know, we will be. I think it's fair to say that we will be all happy if they can just play a competent series. This Avalanche team has been due, and certain similarities. And Stephen, what do you have to say? One goal for Evander Kane in the series yeah, against There Bob. you go. And that was a big X factor because he was lighting up the lamp constantly yeah. leading into that. Connor series. McDavid. Connor McDavid, seven points in a sweep. <laughs> I mean, he's he's McJesus for a reason. I mean, not, nothing will stop him, truly. The only thing that will stop him 
is the team around him. That that is the only thing that'll stop Connor McDavid, unfortunately. Yeah, um, having a having a goalie with a 0. 0.872 save percentage doesn't help. No, no. Smith Smith just got absolutely shelled. And again, I was not happy when they brought him back to begin with. But again, Edmonton knows the drill. They had a they had a coaching change mid-season. They had a lot of things going on. Um, regardless, I'm happy that they got as far as they did. Would have liked a more valiant effort there and the uh, uh, Western Conference Finals. But again, that's here nor there. It doesn't matter anymore. What does matter, however, is that the Avalanche are destined to be matching up with either the Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. And it's, you know, the Avalanche have the number on the Rangers during the season. And yes, Igor was not a part of those games for the most part. And yes, the Rangers were not locked in the way that they are now. Well aware of that. I do believe that should the Rangers get to that dance, that they will have a more valiant effort from Edmonton. However, regardless on if it's the Rangers or Tampa, I mean, I will be sad. I Don't get me wrong. I will be heartbroken if the Rangers go to the cup and lose. Don't get me wrong, especially depending on how the series goes. But if you're going to lose, the Avalanche are by all means a great team to lose to. They, they were the best team in the regular season. They were just high-flying. This team has been destined for greatness for years now. It's been a four to five year span, I would say, you know, with Sackick at GM and with, um, you know, their head coach now too, after Patrick Waugh. And they've just have dealt with endless injuries and consistent goaltending. And while goaltending is still the, the biggest factor, in my opinion, and that's where Igor could come to shine should the Rangers get to that far. However, when you have Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, and Nazem Kadri and everyone else, I mean, that team is just absolutely loaded, and they have an element to their game that even with Carolina, how well they played during the season, you know, Carolina just Carolina wasn't on the Avs level. I think you said that Carolina was the biggest team for you this year, but for me, there really wasn't much of a doubt that I, it think, was the I think Carolina would have been the biggest threat to the Colorado Avalanche with the way they play defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's why it's going to be so the way, interesting to see if Tampa or the Rangers advance, you know? By the way, you mentioned Cowdery. He's out for the postseason with a broken thumb. Oh, how? When did he get? When did he sustain that injury? He was checked into the boards by Evander Kane. Oh, shit. Was that? What game was that? Was that game three, I think? Game three. Okay, I must have missed that because I have not been. I If I haven't been able to watch the Ranger games consistently because my trip, I sure as hell wasn't watching those games consistently and, either. And Darcy Kemper uh, was out of the last couple of games because of blurred vision that came back. He was hit in the eye, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. I remember the stick got like in his yeah. mask. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. was, that was a freaky situation. But the Colorado Avalanche going up against either the Rangers or the Lightning. To me, it doesn't really matter that much for what I'm going to say next, but the matchup in the Stanley Cup final is going to bring back memories of Super Bowl 48. And enlighten us on how Super Bowl 48 transpired, Stephen. Super Bowl 48 was the Seattle Seahawks against the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos that season were the number one offense. They set records for most touchdowns, most uh, passing yards, uh, every possible offensive metric that that they could get the record in they got the record in that season uh touchdown passes by peyton manning they went up against the number one defense in the seattle seahawks and the seahawks won the super bowl 43 to 8. yeah they they dominate i mean when i watch that game and this isn't to get on a tangent um but talking about eli and peyton peyton was the better overall quarterback but eli was always the better more clutch Peyton did never impressed me enough when it came to big games, what it mattered most, the way that Eli did. And I'm not, I'm not, Manning, not a fan, so I don't got bias there. I'm just Peyton, saying. Peyton Manning was a was a uh, people gonna hate me for this. Peyton Manning was a an elite regular season quarterback. Yeah, he was, 100. 
And don't get me wrong, he didn't have the best teams around him, especially he struggled in his early years with the defense that he had structure with uh, the Colts. But, I mean, even when he won his first Super Bowl, he's facing Rex Grossman with the Chicago Bears. Devin Hester was the story that season. Then you saw when they lost to the Saints, give him the benefit of the doubt because the Saints, that's when they were doing the bounty hunters type stuff, head hunting the QBs, you know, paid, like, illegally what they were doing. And then in that game, that was just a complete blowout. I mean, Broncos never stood. He had the blowout against the Seahawks. And the second Super Bowl he won was the infamous Super Bowl 50 where Cam Newton uh, refused to jump on a ball. Yeah, and that and that wasn't that wasn't Peyton single handedly dominating that game either. He did not that, have a that was Super Bowl that was Von Miller. Yeah, that Von yeah. Miller won, won, won that Super Bowl. But look, so, yeah, getting I'm away from that. Colorado, I'm not saying Colorado cannot win the Stanley Cup final against the Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning defense, but it's going to be a different matchup for them. You know, they're going to have to go up against a Norris caliber defenseman in either Fox or Hedman. And I'm talking about defensive Norris quality, not yes. not. Kill McCarr is a great defenseman. Don't get me wrong, but defensively, he's not close to Fox or Hedman or even Yossi. Um, I think the Colorado Avalanche have a chance to win, but it's not going to be as easy as going up against Mike Smith. No, it will not, and that's that'll be the biggest test. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I feel like it's the automatic mm-hmm. jinx. We're just letting you guys know. Well, yeah, the yeah. Avalanche are the team that whoever is advancing mm-hmm. will be facing, and it will be anything so, but an easy task. In my opinion. Before we get into questions, um, just to give people a little bit more confidence coming into the in, going into tonight's game, or even <laughs> the other games in the series. Um, in 1987, the NHL switched their playoff format to seven-game series for the first round. Before that, the first round was always a best of five. Since the NHL went to four rounds of best of sevens in 1987, teams to win games one and two at home before losing game three on the road are 80 and 19 to win the series. Wow. Wow. It's a little lopsided, Stephen. Just a so, an eighty to eighty-one percent chance that the Rangers win this series. I like I like those odds. However, um, if we were a betting man, we all would have lost um, our uh, however dough we threw out when the Rangers were losing three one. Look, I I don't bet on sports because I I don't know that's I don't like it. If that's I would though. If I would, I would always bet on the team that's playing the Rangers because you can never lose that way. Either you're happy that your team won or you're happy that you want to bet. Yeah. That's fair. I respect that. Okay. Well, you know, in a nutshell, uh, the Rangers have big game coming up tonight. Of course, uh, game four against these Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa. And then they'll head back home to MSG for game five and from there. Um, the goal, I think what will be is We'll probably record as long as scheduling is good, and fingers crossed that will be. Um, after game, I would say after game five, I would say after game five, because we don't know uh, what the stats of the Rangers will be by then. You know, they could either be advancing the Stanley Cup finals, they could be finding themselves still grinding out this series by all means. Um, but no less. So now let's get into your comments because I think those are important. There were a couple donations here in the live show that I would like to address first. But outside of that, folks, if you have specific questions, if you were chiming in the live stream here for Rangers Review episode 59 that you would like us to answer, by all means, ask away. We'll spend a good, you know, up, I would say 10 minutes on them. And then we'll wrap up the show and just 
hope fingers crossed that next time we talk, we have, you know, more exciting things regarding the Rangers to be discussing. Uh, but Jimmy here with the $5 donation. Thank you kindly for that, Jimmy. He says, way to, way to many neutral zone and breakout passes for turnovers in, in game three. Uh, way too many. Um, Fox and Truba have to be better than game three. Van Aaron Cott must get going. I agree with you wholeheartedly on, on uh, line two. That is the biggest thing that I'm looking for. And I'm really curious, again, how that's going to shape up given the current stats of Strom, Goudreau, and, you know, Sammy Blake practicing out too. I agree a little bit on Fox and Truba. I, I think that's a tad more on Truba than it is on Fox. However, um, again, rightful criticisms. I think that's fair. Um, is there anything that you would like to add on to this, Jimmy? I mean, not Jimmy, Steven. I know. Oh, I, how do you blame me for calling you Jimmy when the guy's name is Jimmy? <laughs> um, like I said, uh, Truba had his worst game as a Ranger two nights ago. He's not going to play that bad again. Knocking on wood, Stephen. We're knocking on wood. Okay. Jimmy with another donation, and this was the other one. Tampa hasn't shown me anything to be afraid of. I agree. I wholeheartedly okay. agree. Yeah. Especially the games in New York. They have not shown to me that, that they can keep up with us. Yep. And that's and that's what's so crazy about the fact that it's not even like that this is round one. You know, whoever wins this one goes to the damn cup, baby. Like, that's a big effing deal. You know, like, so either Tampa's going to completely turn their game around. We'll see if Point does return this series. I have no clue if he will or not. I don't know how John Cooper's going to go about things either, if he's going to go the gallant way and maybe keep things uncertain. And then out of nowhere, you just see him coming out on the ice. Anything's possible in playoffs. You know, everyone's getting cortisone shots left and right to just numb out, regardless of what their injury is. They're just going out there and they're going to continue to play. So point, in my opinion, is that is that huge piece for Tampa. If they get him back with this series still being salvageable for them, we may have ourselves a bit of an issue. However, if we don't, then that's something that the Rangers can look at and be like, okay, you know, that. We're very much riding things out. And it's not the fact that the Rangers can't beat Tampa with point. They've done it before. They can gladly do it again. But yeah. there's no denying that Braden Point is not just a phenomenal player, but he is just simply electric in playoffs. Like, he is meant for playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. He is locked in, like no tomorrow. So, interesting with the three teams that are left, right? Yes. Either the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win their fourth cup in 20 years. Or the Colorado Avalanche are going to win their third in 25 or the Rangers are going to win their fifth in a hundred years. I, it's all I about the be, present, baby. It's all I about the be, present. I just, be, I just want to be Tampa because I'm already dreading the headlines about Pat Maroon. Oh my God. Yeah. I, again, though, talk, talk about riding a wave, talk about being like in the right place at the right time. Pat isn't a bad player. I know that he's not single-handedly going out there and helping winning cups. Yes, he had that game winner for them and St. Uh, for St. Louis, but outside of that, you know, he's just he's been a very fortunate player these past couple of years. With all due respect, because he is an NHL player and he's a damn good hockey player in the grand scheme of things, you know, to get but to what the NHL. Absolutely. You have to be a top top 0.1% hockey player in the world. But Pat Maroon might go down as the, as the worst player to win three consecutive, consecutive Stanley Cups. Oh, absolutely. If Tampa if Tampa somehow turns around this series and they end up going on to the Cup and winning it, I mean, yeah, there's no denying that. But again, if I'm in his shoes, by God, that's the best label I could ever get. I mean, like, I don't think he, he I was complaining for one for second. I would, I would sign up for that and, and, and not care. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Okay, so let's see. Dominic here with a donation from, uh, let's see, from Switzerland. Thank you so much for that. Keep keep going, guys. Let's go, Rangers. Fingers crossed, Dom. Thank you so much for chiming in for the donation. I appreciate that. Steven, do you know what um, their currency translates to in, in American uh, dollars? Uh, no CHF is Swiss francs. Okay. The abbreviation CH is the abbreviation for the country of Switzerland. It means Confederation Helvetica. So you learned something now. I just did. Um, I think uh, 10 francs is about eight, about eight, maybe $8. Let me, let me, let me quickly look. This yeah, up. we don't need deep dive. I'm just curious because I know that, you know, we got Mr. Europe over here. I figure uh, that he at least has a little oh, bit of better it, knowledge than I do. It's actually $10. It's pretty even. Oh, wow. Cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate that a lot, Tom. I'm Thank curious, you so much. Maybe, maybe Dominic can share in the chat where in Switzerland he's from. Yeah, if he's willing, by all means, ask ahead. But let's get us some comments here before we wrap things up here in today's show. Appreciate everyone that's been listening to Rangers Viewed ep- episode 59. Um, let's see. Do you guys think that 3 p.m. games could be a factor of the Rangers sloppy play in game three? I got to be honest. I don't think it has much of a factor. Um, I'm the guy that normally doesn't like day games, especially if it's like a Sunday game. They just, uh, up until this season, the Rangers have not thrived with them. This year is a little bit different though, too. Um, I don't think that was much of a factor because uh, at the end of the day, you know, the Rangers beat themselves. They should have won game three and they and they felt flat. Can I answer this question and debunk it? Sure. In this season, the Rangers coming into last night, last game, Sunday's game, the Rangers were seven and two in afternoon games. This season? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And even when they were seven and two, I still felt on edge. I still did because I was still, I, I found myself unfortunately and hypocritically still thinking about years past it's like uh the whole uh player scoring their first nhl go against us feeling mm-hmm. yeah uh the rangers are have the third lowest first nhl goal scored against them in the salary cap era oh wow well there you, you go you know who has the most who the team that concedes the most first career nhl goals are the new jersey devils <laughs> of course <laughs> perfectly balanced as all things should be um let's see let's get to a couple more uh, comments here um what happened to the instigator penalty it's like gone we don't really need to go on this tangent no, no, we, it's been called we had it, we had it a couple of games ago yeah i was gonna say it has been called um, um it's, it's one of those things where like most officiating in the nhl it's just inconsistent it doesn't happen every time that it should happen but when they do actually see it, it does happen. And we the Rangers have benefited from that throughout the playoffs. Me, it, they actually me, have gone. Let me check quickly. I think it happened in the Carolina series. I think it did too. Uh, or was it in the Penguin series? Let, let me – no, I think it was the Penguin series. There was – Wasn't it on Rodriguez? Yeah, I think it was Rodriguez. Let me check. Um. By the way, we'll move on to the next question while I look this up. By the sure. Way. He, uh, Dominic said he is from, uh, I don't want to say this wrong. Uh, Basel. Okay. Basel. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. The first city from Othman's father and uncle. That is, actually, that. that is actually the reason I asked because I know Othman's family lived in Switzerland. And uh, that's why Othman has a Swiss passport. There you go. That's how Othman was able to play in Switzerland before he turned, uh, before he turned 18. Yep. Exactly. Very cool. Um, Basel. Okay, I've been I've been to Zurich. I've been to Basel. I've been to Davo. So I need oh, to. Oh, by to the way, they're saying in the chat that it was the Kane series. Maybe it happened twice for the Rangers then in playoffs. 
because I, I felt almost um, certain that it happened at least one in the Penn series with Rodriguez. That um, that must have, that must have been after the Jarvis hit them. Uh, player went after Truba after yes yes, uh, yeah it has to be. I'm almost certain because I remember I obviously remember that. Um. Okay, I, I'm, I'm looking it up now, but yeah, move on to the next question. Okay. Um, right. Jimmy says, Stat Boy, the Rangers have historically been bad in matinee games. <laughs> Was their matinee record over the last 20 years? So you can keep that, your research going, Stephen, while that, I answer some more. I need more time for that because okay. websites don't tend to uh, to keep up the, the puck drop times at once, once, the, once the season ends. Trust me, Jimmy, this is something that'll give Steven incentive to look up another random statistic. So even if it's not during the show, rest assured, he'll have it at some point for you. So don't worry. Um, let's see another comment here. Why is Tampa such a good matchup for the Rangers? Obviously, the Canes defense got the Rangers, but what about Tampa and possibly Colorado since they are an offensive heavy team? Um, well, I mean, I don't think we should look too ahead to Colorado. Again, we got to get there first. Um, I think that's really important to say. I'm, I'm the last per- person that's trying to jinx anything here. Um, when it comes to Tampa, though, I think it's kind of just what Steven has alluded to and myself already earlier in the show. Their lack of neutral zone presence has definitely hurt them so far this series, in my opinion. And, and also also a big reason is that their players are not fast enough. So when they try to hit us, the hits don't connect. Yeah, I agree. I've, too. Noticed, not- that a couple of, I've noticed that a couple of times. By the way, game four against Carolina, um, Steven Lawrence got five minutes for fighting, two-minute instigator, and a 10-minute misconduct. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, someone said and, that it was Stephen Lawrence. And too. Frank Vetrano scored on that ensuing power play. Yes, he did. Yep, I remember that. Awesome. Okay, folks. Well, I think we're just going to be about wrapping up today's show. But uh, before we do, I was going to say let's talk about Rangers' history of the number 59, given that is the history. Uh, it is episode 59 of the pod. But I'm almost certain the Rangers have never worn that jersey number. If they haven't, like me, Stephen, but I'm pretty confident when I say that, at least in my lifetime as a fan. No bueno. In official games, no Ranger has ever worn number 59, but in 2014. Don't even say it. It was a preseason. Can pre-season. you tell me the position of the player? Center. How long was he a Ranger? Five years. 2014 preseason center. Sorry, sorry. 2013. No, no, wait. 2014. Yes. No, I'm right. 2014. And he's okay. He's not on the Rangers anymore, obviously. No, no. From 2014 to 2019, he was on the Rangers. Hmm. He's got to be a bottom six center, obviously, then. Um, hold on. Let me think for a minute. Uh, damn. Hmm. Who was on here as a bottom six center for five years? I'm blanking on right now. Um, and they parted with him, I'm sure, in the start of the rebuild. Yes. Okay. And they traded him at the deadline in 2019. That's not helping, Stephen. <laughs> um, they traded him for Brendan Lemieux in a first round pick. Oh, Hayes. Okay. Gotcha. Hayes, there you Kevin go. Hayes. All right. In the 2014 preseason, Kevin Hayes wore number 59. I was thinking bottom six for whatever reason. Funny story about that Kevin Hayes trade, by the way. Um, part of the trade was a uh, 2022 fourth round pick. 
Yeah. It was a conditional fourth round pick. The condition was that the Rangers would get the pick if Kevin Hayes signed an extension in Winnipeg. And he, did he didn't. So the fourth round pick went back to Winnipeg, which they then traded to Vegas in exchange for Paul Stastny. Okay. And then Vegas traded that pick to the Rangers for Brett Howden. So we ended up with a pick anyway. Wow. Look at you. That's like the tree breakdown, you know, connecting the dots. That's hilarious. As far as I know, that's the only draft pick that has been traded to the Rangers twice. Got to put money on that draft pick. Whoever the Rangers pick there in the fourth round, he's going to be an absolute stud. And it's going to be so fun to break down all the history behind that. You know, he was like Ryan Callahan Callahan being drafted with a pick we got from San Jose for Mark Messier. Yep. And how many games did Mark Messier play for San Jose? A zero. <laughs> it didn't, never happened. But that was that was the compensatory draft pick era. That and that was absurd. the fact that t- players were able to do that was absolutely it was a wild asinine. See, um, no, nobody remembers that Mike Richter was traded to the Edmonton Oilers either. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Uh, and you know, uh, but that just to show you how dumb the Edmonton Oilers were. It's not. It's not. It's not a recent thing. So they traded for Mike Richter. I think they traded a fourth round pick. To the okay. Then they didn't sign him. So as compensation, they received a third round pick. They used that third round pick on a player from the Czech Republic that did not declare for the draft. So the pick didn't count. Meh. The pick was scrapped. They weren't allowed to pick again. That's fine. There you go. Well, I think, I think that's a great way of capping this one off. So guys, thank you all so much for listening, watching, whether in the live stream here on Rangers Review on YouTube or wherever, wherever you get your podcasts for uh, the recorded version. Hopefully the Rangers look good tonight in game four and throughout the remainder of the series. But until then, do, we'll, we'll hopefully want, be back after do, 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 game five. you want to do five. predictions for game four, Tyler? Uh, predictions, Steven? Did we do, do predictions do? at all in playoffs? I don't think we did. I can't, Steven. I'm not. Okay, okay. That's no the predict. ultimate jinx, Steven. You, you don't, even if you don't believe in jinxes, you don't do it for playoffs. There's no such just, thing as jinx. No, no, Steven. Stop. Stop it. All right. I'm out of here. Stop with the nonsense. Have a great rest of your day, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Rangers Review, episode 59. We'll see you back in a little bit. And of course, Steven, let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>